All right. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to our monthly Board Leadership Academy, otherwise known as Navigate. I'm Tom Miller from Leaders Building Leaders, and so excited to uh, bring you this resource on a monthly basis uh, to talk true charter school stories and to ensure that you, uh, volunteers of your governing board who are governing multi-million dollar enterprises, are equipped uh, and are able to lead your school to excellence. So this particular call, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about uh, uh, no trust, no unity, and no progress. And it's, it's really a, a trust but verification uh, process that we try to instill in all of our schools. Uh, but I'm gonna tell you a short, a short story first before, before we get going. So this is one of our vignettes that we use, and this is called, we're a great school, right? So you're a brand new board member with a background in corporate management at a K-12 charter school in its 10th year. The first full board meeting that you attend, the discussion is focused on charter renewal. It's the board's understanding that the administrative team had worked hard the past year to clean up some student accountability, governance, and compliance issues. However, lingering problems caused the Charter School Advisory Board and State Board of Education to grant only a three-year charter renewal under the condition that the school is freed of any governance and compliance concerns within six months. The board votes to terminate the founding principal and entire administrative team in order to start fresh. The rebirth is energizing to the school, and the school meets their six-month goal, ensuring the full three-year charter renewal. Now, fast forward three years, school's much different situation for, for their next renewal. The new administrators earn a trust at a board and produce three years of improvements in academics, healthy finances, and a much-needed stability for the school community. A 10-year renewal appears to be a slam dunk. The leadership team is thorough in their preparation for the re renewal process and is in fact so thorough that they uncover a graduation anomaly that dates back to previous administration. Upon further investigation, they discover that one counselor had been incorrectly tracking transcripts, allowing students to graduate with fewer credits than the state requires. The consequence of the inaccurate transcripts affects current students as well as graduates that are already accepted into college. The school is called into question in front of the Charter School Advisory Board to report on the oversight of the board, who have been the only constant through the two crises. Now, you may or may not know the end result of this story. Uh, well, this charter school did, did get another renewal, but they lost their high school. They lost their high school. They're no longer a K-12 school because of this. So what I would love to ask, you know, for the uh, board members that are out there, whether you're on live or, or listening through archive, is is honestly, what can the board do to provide su sufficient oversight while maintaining that boundary between governance operations? It seems like such a, such a challenge to get there. What can the board do to provide sufficient oversight while maintaining the boundary between governance and operations? And that's what I wanna specifically talk about tonight. What does, that, what does that look like? What does that feel like? And also be able to answer, how do you know the school you oversee is successful? And what's, what's honestly most responsible for that success? And what should the board expect to be reported by the school leader? And how often? Those three questions are going to drive this particular training tonight. And I'm happy to open it up uh, right now. If anybody wants to share, you have the ability to unmute yourself just about if you were able to hear the whole, the whole story. You know, chime in as we're as we're about to get started here, what do you, how do you know that your school is successful? 
and, and what should the board expect to be reported by the school leader and how often should that occur? So can you hear me, Tom? I can hear you very well. I can hear you very well. Yeah, this is Mike Mahaffey, Shining Rock. Just from my perspective, I've been around since the beginning of the school. I've been on the board about five years. Our school's been around a little over three. And for me, it feels like we're running without our headlights on because I, I'm trusting in people to do stuff that I don't really know that much about. So I don't really know the good questions asked. I don't really know very well how to hold them accountable. And uh, it's it, to me, it's like a voodoo. I've said this several times to my people on the board and it's, you know, I want to do a really good job, but it's just, I really feel out of my, really out of my wheelhouse and it's, uh, it's kind of unnerving. <laughs> really good question. Very, very common, Michael. And number one, thank you for investing because I know you're on these calls a lot, whether live or, or getting into the archives and you always have really good questions. So, so I think, you know, one of the most, you know, challenging pieces and we'll, you know, talk through that process is, you know, most of us as, you know, board members, remember I'm a board chair of a school too, is, is, you know, we understand business sense, right? We understand when things don't smell right. It's, it's our job to ask uh, questions. And it's really about building that trust to be able to ask the questions to ensure that the rest of the board and the head of school don't think that you're questioning them. Instead, you're just asking questions to learn. The more you can learn, the better you can be at your job. And I think that's really where it all starts. You know, everything moves at the speed of trust. Trust is the baseline for everything. So having those conversations ahead of time uh, really helped me as a board chair. You know, you know, we talked about them as a board as we had a transition in leadership. And we, you know, you know, you know, we answered that what what does the board want to be reported on and how often if if something happens at the school. What, you know, what do we want to know? You know, what do we really want to know? So when we had those conversations in an open uh, session, uh, you know, at the first part of our new uh, school leaders, and we, you know, we do it during orientation. We're not, you know, great, but we're getting better. Uh, but it's really having that clarity. And, and also as the board chair, I, I try to work hard to ensure that everybody uh, has their questions answered or has an opportunity to, to share um, but we'll we'll talk about so, some of those systems and processes. Let's so let's make sure we don't we don't lose that uh, lose that thought here. We do have a couple more people on, um, so feel free you can unmute yourself at any point and come on in uh, to the question. I'm going to start diving into the teaching here about trust but verification. But would love to know if you know anybody else caught that story and. Um, uh, it's, you know, it was real challenging for that school uh, specifically because right, they had worked so hard <laughs> to do it. And it was one, one little tiny piece, you know, you think about it is, is student graduation something that the board should be overseeing? You know, how would they know? And it really comes down to the oversight to ensure that the head of school is uh, doing those things. So great, you know, heads of schools have, uh, have this sense of urgency all the time, you know, and, and are constantly having verification processes to ensure uh, that uh, compliance. So, and I chose this title based upon uh, Ronald Reagan. It was one of my you know, favorite things I think that he ever brought uh, to light. Um, and I'm, I'm gonna butcher the uh, Russian uh, pronunciation, uh, you know, but it, uh, Deveria no uh, Provia. 
is what he said. I'm not sure if that's exactly what he said, but it's something to that effect. Uh, when 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 you know he wanted to verify uh, uh, during the Cold War time. So a big part of this program is leading, equipping, having the right attitude, and uh, developing board leaders, right? And that attitude piece is so important, especially what Michael was just referring to. You know, you have to declare noble intent, you know, as a head of school and as a board member, uh, both sides have to declare noble intent that you're coming to this and asking questions based upon for the right reasons, not to, not to catch anybody. But I think that's, that's a big piece that's uh, missing is that, is that um, in, in that ver verification process is just to trust. Is this to trust knowing what to ask and how to ask, but I'm going to give you tools. You know, these are tools that are in the program specifically a head of school report. Uh, that's really strong that should give you the information that you need on a monthly basis uh, to uh, uh, navigate the school towards uh, towards excellence. And also I have a list of, uh, it's about 40 or 50 things, the key indicators of success of a charter school. So it's a big list and you can go through it as a board and really identify uh, what, what, you know, what do we want to be reported on and how often? So remember, as you're taking notes, uh, you know, the, there's always three, uh, three columns we work through. One is what some things our board has to start doing, what some things we got to continue and get better at, and then on the far right, what are some things we just need to stop doing as a board? Because sometimes I was just a, did a board retreat recently in the, last, in the last month, and I asked the board why they did something the way that they did it. And he said, uh, he said, well, we've just always done it that way. It's like, well, that's the definition of insanity. If it's not getting you the result that you're looking for. <laughs> so some things we just got to stop doing. So time to get good, get out of distractions. This uh, will be less than 60 minutes, but it'll, it'll change your life because it'll, it'll ensure that your board meetings are highly effective and highly purposeful. Now, I repeat things that are always important. So what are the board's roles? We all know, establishing the evaluating student outcomes, establishing monitoring management compliance through policy designed to maximize legal compliance, approving and terminating contracts while evaluating the executive. And remember, the executive is your only employee. Oversee and approve the use of operational finances. Establish and monitor organizational goals focused on charter renewal and to develop the board's capacity to understand governance. That's what this entire Board Leadership Academy Navigate series is based upon those specific six roles uh, every single time, right? So we've had sessions about the formula for greatness, right? Establish a shared mission and vision, develop relationships, and then set clear performance expectations. No surprises, right? That is, that is the trust but verification process, is, is to uh, develop relationships with mutual respect and set those clear performance expectations. What is it that you want to see? We've talked about keeping the main thing the main thing. Last month, we talked specifically about the Pareto principle and, and ensuring that your board meetings are on, on all, all those, on those issues that you know, you know, create that that time, right? The twenty percent of your issues create eighty percent, um, or twenty percent of your problems. I'm sorry, create eighty percent of your issues. So your board meeting needs to focus on those twenty percent. And we've also shared about dialogue is not decision making, and wasting time is a slow form of suicide. So if your board meetings, I you know had a board uh, write this down on that paper uh, last week. We were doing a, a board retreat in Arizona, and um, I had asked them how many times did they plan on meeting per year? And they said uh, 10, I think was their number. And how, how long you want your meetings to be? 90 minutes. And I said, okay, well, by my math, how many hours is that 
in the whole year, right? 10 meetings, 90 minutes, that's nine, 900 minutes. That is, um, is how many hours? Uh, 15 hours, something like that. So I said, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna govern the entire school in <laughs> multi-million dollar enterprises in uh, 15 hours. And they were like, oh, that's, that's not really a lot of time. It's not. That's why you have to be focused and specific and ensure every meeting is purposeful. And you have to build those key relationships as fast as possible. You have to have those systems in place. So, so trust to verify, trust but verify is a form of advice given which, which recommends that would, uh, while the source of information might be considered reliable, one should perform additional research to verify that such information is accurate or trustworthy. So this session specifically is going to teach boards how to effectively identify and communicate those acceptable evidences demonstrating the school's progress towards its goal. So let's get started. Let's start moving. So why do public charter schools close? Right. Now, typically they close for financial reasons. Okay. But ultimately the boards, the, the charter schools always close. And we just had one voted uh, to close last month in uh, Charlotte. Charlotte Learning Academy, we may have a couple more before the next uh, two months are up. Charter schools close because of the actions and the decisions of the board, period. Now that means the actions and decisions, non-action is action. So not acting, even though you had an inkling, is still action. Right? So the board governs, the board ensures, the board uh, supervises one, one particular person to ensure all those things happen. Now, when do they close? The first warning sign is always the failing to produce on-time audits or conduct basic required oversight. That's a sure sign that the charter school leaders are not capable of leading a strong organization. Now, you as a board member, if you're a business owner or a corporate leader, um, a nonprofit leader, you certainly understand uh, the uh, criticalness of organizational health and, and, and turnover and cash flow and marketing and ensured, you know, that we're viable. There's ways to find out whether you're viable or not. And I can guarantee if you've got a feeling that you're not, you're not. <laughs> I'm sure you're right. You know, but it's just about I don't have the evidence. Right? I don't have the information. I don't, I don't know where to find it. Right? So the first thing I would be concerned about is, is your school leader producing strong, accurate reports? Or are they just talking? There's got to be a way to verify information to get there. Now, remember, we've always talked about that an organization achieves success in its goals and excellence in its operations, not by good fortune or hard work, but by focused effort on the right things when you think about the right things from a school perspective, it's these four, academics, operations, governance, and finance. Those four specific areas will be the keys to your success. Now, one big part of that is having a vision for what does significant academics, operations, governance, and finance look like, right? Without, without you know, getting in the, um, in the weeds of, of uh, management. So the first thing that I always say is that you have to have engaged, effective committees to be able to drive this process, okay? And so with the first committee that every organization should have, okay, should have, is this board effectiveness, right? And I call it, you know, board effectiveness or governance. 
it's it, it's the fourth column it should be the far left column it's it's it, in my opinion it's the most important committee that you have as a governance committee because they focus specifically on organizational health board health making sure you've got the right people in place making sure uh, that 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 your board members are oriented and 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 effective and they're getting training and they know specifically what they need to do right you know where the organization is heading uh, that they're reviewing bylaws they're reviewing policies uh, they're ensuring that the head of school isn't operating um, uh, you know in a silo right the next one would be fiscal vitality, right? So your finance committee, you know, ensuring that, that, that there's annual effective budgeting, cash flow, you know, cash flow going on, um, solving problems, evaluation of third, uh, third parties, all sorts of things. And we'll dive into these. And I have, if you don't have these uh, committees or if you don't have a committee description, every committee should have a specific job description. Um, if you don't have those in place, please, please, please email me and I will, I will, sends you one at tom tom at lbleaders.com uh, there's there's some in the navigate portal uh, but they're sometimes hard to find so i will send you directly what you need uh, to make sure that this happens okay legal compliance uh ties right into that governance uh, committee but you can certainly have uh, your own legal compliance or um uh, committee in 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 um in conjunction with the governance committee. And then the last one is academic excellence, which is, which is a tough one. It's probably the hardest committee uh, to keep focused on the right things. Uh, but it's, again, it's very important. The, per the uh, purpose of school is kids learn. So, you, you know, it's good to have a committee to do the work, you know, whatever that work may be, maybe it's analysis of, of, of curriculum. Uh, maybe it's, you know, uh, maybe it's deep dive analysis of student results. Right, you know, you get some critical people. So, so you'll notice on my chart that every committee has a teacher, you know, except the legal uh, legal compliance committee, right? And they have stakeholders and they got critical friends. They're not just board members on this on this committee. You you have to have engaged committees um, that have that have multiple multiple stakeholders on it. So I would love to hear from the people on the call live. Uh, what uh, committees do you have, and which which ones are the most effective? I'll jump in. This is Liz. Hey, Liz. Hi, Tom. Um, <clears throat> we, this, this chart is great. I love it, by the way. Um, we do have um, pseudo committees established. They're not with all the stakeholders, and I've been trying to get that um, passed. And hopefully, maybe this I can help use. I, I will, if, if that's okay, yeah. when I talk about that at our, at our board meeting tomorrow. Um, but we have a finance committee who just finished a big salary re review, mm -hmm. but we didn't have a lot of stakeholders and it's school leader and board members on it. So, right. anyway, I think this is really good. Um, we also have HR committee just for. Um, yeah. Those types of things. We don't really have a legal compliance. We have our school's attorney, and so that's really important. Um, and I really like the school improvement plan. But yeah, as you can see, it's not as organized, and we really want to get to the point where we have at least five. I mean, there's there's people that are willing to be on these committees. I think that we just have had um, 
no one to drive the formation of formal committees as yeah. organized as this. Do you have any advice on how to how to uh, to do that without? Yeah, so I think on toes, you know? sure. Well, I, you know, I think that the first part is that um, you, as I mentioned, that you know, you, you know, you know, you know, at the beginning, if you have a goal of having sixty-minute to ninety-minute meetings, you, you you just can't get it all done. You're just not going to do it well. Right. You need committees in between the, the meeting. So like, for example, this one school right. that they meet every month. Right. And I was like, well, you know, that's exhausting if you meet every month. So what mm -hmm. if you took three or four months off? But those months are the critical months where your committees are deep diving into important work. So you're still meeting 12 times. It's just not the whole board doesn't have to meet 12 times. So that's right. one, you know, one reason is, is you know, to be a little bit more intentional. Um, two, two would be, um, and I'm going to, I'm going to mute you just so we, we get this uh, background. Um, two would be, um, two would be, so you got to, you know, you want the purposeful meetings, but two, your committees are your minor league system for your next board members. It's your, it's your recruitment process. So the more time you spend recruiting uh, really strong committee members, you're identifying whether they're going to make good board members down the road. Um, so the one thing that we do at Explorers is, you know, we've got uh, 12, 12 plus uh, voting members. Everybody is responsible for recruiting three potential board members per year. And then we, we, we have a strategic plan of who we want, uh, what, what types of skill sets. And then, you know, the rest of the people we offer, uh, you know, a seat on our committees. And then we identify whether they're really there for the right reasons and, and, and we get to see them work, right? So, so we have um, uh, clarity on what the committee is supposed to do. They have a set goal. Uh, they have set expectations. And they have a board member that chairs it. But for the most part, it's the stakeholders that do the work. Um, and also, the other thing that having levels of stakeholders on your committees is it creates more buy-in, right? So if I was, if I were a naysayer uh, of your process and I just heard something about, you know, the finance and the, you know, teacher, you know, salary review or something. And if I don't have a teacher in that room or if I don't feel I have advocacy, I, I'm not going to buy into that is the best decision. So the more stakeholders you bring into it, the more transparency you create, the easier it is, I believe, to drive initiatives through. Uh, because now we've got, you know, skin in the game uh, from all levels of the stakeholders. So creating this engaged committee is challenging, but so worth it when you can get that work done. And because that way your meetings are just focused on action and really, you know, really important discussion, not, not, you know, getting down into the weeds um, on stuff. So does that help? Yes, thank you very much. Sorry to take yeah. up that time. Oh no, no, you're fine. And and so Liz, if you email me, I will. I have kind of like a four-page outline of this, um, that's a little bit more detailed, and it talks about the stakeholder and critical friend and the roles for us. So I'll get that to you. Great, thank you. Sure. Any other thoughts on the committee? Work there from anybody else on the call. Uh, this is Michael again. Um, I'm on governance committee and I'm vice chair for a period of time. We're getting ready to get a new chair and, and we're doing some transition, but we're spending quite a bit of time really working on the board itself. We got a 
into this and we spent all our time really trying to get a school up and running. Mm -hmm. uh, but now we're really trying to get the board bolstered to where it's functioning really as a management board. Cause I know you mentioned some time back that the board needs to really govern and not be in the weeds. And we've worked on that. We've made a lot of progress. We took your word, but that's kind of what we're spending our time now in my time anyway, is to try to get the board to where it's acting like a, healthy functional board good committees and stuff yeah so that's yeah. Where we're at right now. yeah and that's hard right so because you're because you know uh, people develop habits during those times and 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 the first five years of a school is always challenging uh, just because you're in constant development mode uh, and when you're in development mode your mind is more focused on management right you know rather than oversight and and you know staring into the future so you know, one one good thing is uh, Marcy Cornell Feist has this um, this uh, graph, and it's something about you know each each age of the school, right? Each you know two or three years that it grows, twenty percent of its board meeting time should be spent on looking at the future, right? So if you're in a school that's in its first year, you are just straight out. Every meeting is about today. You're just trying to survive. But as you get to year two and three you know, 20 to 30% of your board meeting needs to be focused on looking at the future, future decisions, right? So when I came on to Explorers, you know, school's 20 years old. It was like in year 15 when I came up. Every board meeting was still focused on the here and now. There was very little discussion about what the parents will see five years from now. You know, what, what will the stakeholders see? So if you keep that focus, Michael, if you just keep on driving that piece, you say, Hey, this is all great. You know, we've got a leader, but let's, you know, uh, put some um, clear measures of success in place and have him or her, um, you know, report it on, you know, on our schedule. Let's, you know, let's work on these committees to get them working. But gosh, every meeting, everybody, we need to be thinking about five years down the road all the time. Um, it scares the heck out of me being a board chair right now. And we're, you know, working on this 20 some million dollar a building project and it's more it's more money than the school has ever put into uh, facilities it's almost going to double our um, our uh, annual budget in terms of facility costs and so I'm like we got to be hammering out this plan we need to make sure because eventually this you know, building is going to be open and we're going to have bigger mortgage bills <laughs> so we got to be focusing on that not necessarily the uh, the here and now so yeah. So how does your board currently measure success? So does your, does your, does your organization have set goals in place? Um, does it, does it uh, do those goals? Are they ongoing reporting during the year? Uh, many schools rely on end of grade tests, which could measure success. The problem is if you weren't successful, then you got no way to go back and change it. So would love to hear is anybody on the call have any, have any thoughts about how they currently measure success? Well, I'll speak up if nobody else will. Currently, I've been trying and others have been trying to drive some sort of a extrapolation of where we're really going to be at the end of the year. We're, our, the dream was with our school to have the best grade of a school in the county we live in where we have the worst. And, and we've got to drive that up. It's not acceptable. But I keep asking, you know, we don't want a forensic. We need something to be able to do a checkup to where we go to the emergency room and they're already dead. 
just like mm. you mentioned. Yeah, right. And, uh, and I still don't have the answer yet. I keep pushing and digging and kicking, but I don't have any extrapolations yet. But hopefully <laughs> we'll have some here in a month or two. There you go. One one at a time, one at a time. That's right. Yeah, you definitely, you know, you know, you know, when you go to the doctor, you don't want to already be in a cardiac arrest, right? You want you want those you want those vital signs ahead of time. Right. I'll, this is Liz. I'll mention something. I think we've relied heavily and luckily succeeded. We're on the opposite end of that. Um, <clears throat> that we've had A plus grades and we kind of rely or everyone, all the different stakeholders rely on that. And I don't think that's healthy to be just one dimensional. Mm -hmm. um, luckily, we've been good with finances also. So finances in good shape and enrollment up and a good grade with this DPI. Those have been our measures, but there's, I feel like it almost needs to have other dimensions because yeah. you focus on one end and then you lack in others if you don't have multiple uh, sure. dimensions to that. So that's my input. Yeah, you start thinking about significance, right? So moving from success to significance and success, you know, success is about, you know, one entity, but significance is about many others. Right? So you really start thinking about impact, impact on organizational health, impact on the community, right? You've got students that are graduating high school now, right? How could you measure their successes in college and grow and, and what's your teacher turnover, right? So there's lots of, there's, there's lots of data points I'm going to bring here in a second. So, um, but minimally, you know, Liz, you just talked about the, the three things that a board should definitely evaluate each year. And it's the, the, the progress, it should be progress, progress towards the charter renewal, not process, the progress towards the charter renewal. And remember, there's three things that, that are key to your charter renewal. One is your academic scores are comparable to the LEA in which you reside. And comparable means 5% according to the Charter School Advisory Board. Um, that you have no significant financial um, uh, findings in your audit for the last three years. And that you are uh, legally compliant in terms of the state and federal policy at the times of renewal. Seems pretty easy. Uh, but I'll tell you what, there's lots of schools over the last couple of years that, that, that have been getting one, three, five, seven-year renewals and not the 10. So... Uh, you want the 10. The 10 is the key. Uh, but the other two aspects that the board should always be evaluating is the performance of the school leader. And I believe the performance of the school leader should be directly aligned to the goals of the organization. Because uh, if, because if the organization is hitting its goals, then the school leader, at minimum, uh, is at least doing that. And then there's some other aspects that we look at in terms of teachers working conditions survey and um, uh, uh, satisfaction uh, surveys internally and externally uh, that we also look at. And then, you know, then the performance of the board. How's the board doing on, on an annual basis? Do, do any boards on the call have an annual evaluation? No, uh, that's one of the and things I, we're going to try to do. Okay. And I don't know how that would work as far as do we self-evaluate? Mm. Do we ask all the stakeholders to give feedback? You know, we, um, it would be interesting because we've never done that. Yeah. That's a good question. 
Yeah, we've got a couple examples I can share with you. And yeah, you, you know, the answer is yes, you do a kind of a self-evaluation, you know, based upon what the expectations are of the board. But then, you know, you can also do um, more of a broader, you know, how are we doing in certain aspects of the organization? We use board on track at Explorers. And that's, you know, something that, you know, I work with a couple of schools and, and help them with the board on track. But they have some really good evaluations. You know, I feel they're good. Um, you know, it's kind of hard because they've got like 700 schools across the country. So to make it streamlined for everybody is always tough, but it does ask some really challenging questions about having all these aspects in place. Uh, so that's something I can, uh, not necessarily, you know, the board on track piece, I can certainly help you there, but just, you know, help you with some of those uh, questions that are on there, then you guys can create your own, your own Likert scales to get there. So, uh, but definitely some, at least some form of evaluation would be important, a self-assessment. Uh, is always always a good start. So who was accountable for the end result? And if you can see the screen, you'll see uh, that here's uh, four guys in a boat and, and the holes at the, um, at the bow or the uh, stern of the boat. And then there's two guys up there at the bow that are just saying, sure glad the hole isn't on our end. And then at the bottom, you got some guys bailing out uh, at the stern and so but it's always important the board needs to remember it's a unit always speaking with one voice or not at all um, and and there's certainly times where it it does become a challenge to make sure your voice is heard and and um, and, and and you have the opportunity uh, to share but here's some key questions that all healthy organizations should answer and review periodically and so this is from Patrick Lencioni's six uh, um, is six questions to uh, clarity through his book, The Advantage, right? So every board should know the answer to these. These, you know, should be looked at at least twice a year to make sure you're moving in the right direction. The top three specifically. Why do we exist, right? That's our mission. Why do we exist? How do we behave, right? These are the, the core values that we, will, that we will adhere to as an organization. What is it that we do, right? I always ask schools this uh, question, what, what is your education plan? What is it that you actually do here? You know, what is it? Do you, do you have a clear purpose and focus there? How do we determine success? How do we know we're successful? Because if we don't have clear criteria for success, well, gosh, then we'll never fail. We'll always be successful because we'll always just be saying, well, that's what we meant to do. And these last two for a board and leadership are critical. What is the most, what is most important right now? And who is responsible for what? So why do we exist? How do we behave? What do we do? How do we determine success? And what's most important right now? And who's responsible for what? And I can share them back out, but that's, but that's a really good exercise right there. Whether you have a retreat or you take 30 minutes um, you know, at a board meeting, just diving in through those uh, questions. There's great conversations that comes out of it. But the areas that need verification to equate success, I believe are obviously academics, okay, academics, operations, finances, and legal compliance. We've talked about those four over and over, but there's three more that really, really need to be part of the equation. One is school culture, because culture is gonna eat any vision you have for breakfast and lunch and dinner. Human resources as well, and that's what creates this healthy organization, okay? So academics, operation, finance, legal compliance, school culture, and human resources, and that, that entails a healthy organization. Those are all the aspects that will create health within your organization. So the first step, if you've got nothing in place, 
if you've got nothing in place. Just start with a backwards design, okay? Start with a backwards design and, and, and just start to think about the acceptable um, um, evidences and benchmark that will help you monitor progress. So if you're talking about academics, so an example might be, well, we have our end of grade, but that's the end of grade. We, what, do we have quarterly benchmarks? What other things could we help ourselves have a better understanding of, of um, whether or not our academic plan is working? Student retention, right? Uh, achievement gaps, teacher development, professional development, right? Um, teacher feedback sessions from observations. You know, are, are you asking the principal how often does every teacher get feedback? If a, if a teacher is underperforming, what's the, what's the process for an action plan? And then asking how will we know if the organization has achieved the desired re, uh, results? Well, again, it's about putting those results in place. And what will we accept as evidence of, of, of this achievement? How will it be tracked? Okay, I'm about to show you that uh, report that we built right now. And who is responsible for collecting this data and how often will it be reported? So thinking from a backwards design, if the board spent, if the board spent 15 to 30 minutes each month specifically thinking through with the leader, what would our education plan look like at its optimum level? What, what, what would our finances be? Would we have six months of operations? And after we pass that six months of operation in cash reserve, what will we do with the next money? Right. How, how would we get closer and closer to being debt free? Is that what we want? Do, do we want to be debt free? Do we want to save to something? Do we want to ensure that our teachers are paid the most? Right. So, I mean, you take every branch of the organization, those, those six that I talked about, and you start to create the mental model of perfection and write it down. Write it down and get some agreement, get agreement on what those, what those are. And then you start backing up. Okay, uh, Principal Miller, what could you bring us to help us know that our organization's healthy? All right, the teachers like working here, right? You know, we've got teacher attendance. You could have, you know, um, tardiness of employees. Uh, you could have um, teacher development, right? How often are you providing professional development? What are those, you know, sessions like? How often are you surveying teachers? to see what professional development they need. How often are you observing teachers? How often are they getting informal feedback versus formal feedback? Now, this might sound like micromanaging, and it's going to to a lot of principals, but if they're not doing it, then they're not doing their job. And how hard is it to just put a tick mark on how many times you did it? It should be something that, that they should be collecting anyway whether it's them or one of the assistant principals, everybody should be uh, collecting this data because this is how I know we're moving in the right direction. So Tom, can I interrupt real quick? Sure. Can I get a list of what you just said? Because that's one of the, it's yeah. button with me is, like I said, I think we're running in the dark and I, there's just some of this stuff that I want to know. Mm -hmm. Can you send me a list of that? Because that would really help me. You'll have it. Uh, so if you need it earlier than uh, tomorrow, email me tonight. Uh, but otherwise, it'll go back out with the, with the with the recording to everybody. But yes, there there is a list. Uh, it's the key indicators of charter success, and I'll make sure Michael, you, and Liz, and I think there's one other person on here. If you want to 
even type your email address into the chat box if you can, or just email me at tom at lbleaders.com. I'll, I'll send it to you right now. Um, so, so there's three keys to, to this verification process, and one is consistency. You have to meet and discuss the results regularly, right? You got to be consistent with this process. The second is honesty. There's no true verification until the people are willing to be transparent with each other. So again, it goes back to, hey, look, if we all agree that these are the keys to our organization's success, we should not have a problem with talking about them. Because where your focus goes, your energy flows. And if we want to be focusing on the right things, we need to get them down on paper and make sure that anything else that comes into this board meeting discussion or you know, school discussion, if it doesn't match these goals, if it doesn't take us to our long-term um, long vision, then the hell with it, it's out. It doesn't, it doesn't belong on the agenda, it doesn't belong as part of the conversation. So be consistent, be honest, and be intentional. Intentionality is the last. If you, if you wanna be an accountable relationship, you must be intentional. So build that relationship of trust. And so one thing that I did when I was an executive director is I would call each board member every month and I talked them through the data. I'd make sure that they read the report. I'd get it to them seven days in advance to see if they had any additional questions because I didn't want to be in that meeting getting questioned to death. You know, I wanted to make sure that I had all their answers and all their responses ready to go you know, for them. So, and that's our next slide. All reports on time and accurate, seven days in advance, focused on those mission-based outcomes, right? Those values and missions-based outcomes, those tangible evidences that we've all agreed to any information on your report should only align to the school's goals and the board goals. Nothing else should be on that darn report. I don't want to hear about field trips unless you are an experiential learning school. That would be the only reason I would want to know. If you're an experiential learning school, damn right I want to know what field trips are being invested on. What are our kids learning and what are we getting out of it? You know, what's the return on investment? But I don't, I don't care if kids go to the strawberry field. I'm happy that they go to the strawberry field, but, you know, unless they were learning about the – you know, like the horticulture of that or, you know, or, you know, you know, how to create their own farm, then, then it doesn't, it doesn't belong in the board report, right? And that's what it says here at the bottom. If it doesn't inform the board on the mission-based outcomes and support the board in achieving the organization's goals, it should not be discussed at the board meeting. So here's, so here's the head of school report that we have in place. And, and this too will be, um, you know, sent to you. Maybe some of you have seen this, but our, our section one starts with the enrollment and attendance, right? So, so you want to know the stability of the enrollment per a grade level, right? So you want to know what was the confirmed ADM, the average daily membership, right? So how many kids did we say we were going to have at the start of the year? And how many do we have now, right? You can start to calculate your, your, student, your uh, student attrition rate. And, and so, what, so what leaders will do is, you know, because they're replacing kids, you don't know that there's an attrition rate. So that's why here is active enrollment, class size, and how many withdrawals since the first day of school. Now you could just ask for a copy of the principal's monthly report. It'll, it tells you all this, it's right there. The state actually uh, produces it every month. They're usually three or four months behind. So if you needed to verify, you could go that route and get it. But you could just ask the principal, they already have to do it. Hey, make sure you put a copy of the principal's monthly report in your report, because it's going to tell you how many withdrawals. 
And then the other part is, you know, how many applications do we have for next year if you're in your open in, in uh, enrollment period? So if you can't see the screen, there's a, there's a nice chart here. And, and, and when you get the head of school report, you'll see it. The second part of our school report is discipline. It's all, all about school culture. How many suspensions has there been? In-school suspensions, out-of-school suspensions, behavior referrals. You could even have them put last year's numbers on and put a comparison. These are, these are, this is good information that leaders should be tracking so they know whether their systems are working better. If, if the board paid, if the board agreed to pay $50,000 for this new positive behavior intervention system, well, don't you think the board wants to know whether it's working or actually even being implemented or not? I'll never forget when I was an executive director of that school and all those teachers fought me about the, the uh, Rosetta Stone language program. And it was costing us like $40,000 for a two-year contract. And I said, fine, I'll, in a month, tell me how many hours kids have logged in. What's the time frame? And if you could prove it to me that kids are using it, this uh, Spanish class, then I will, I, I will continue to keep it in the budget. So a month went by. And I asked the um, person responsible for putting it in my report. And you know what he told me? Out of 700 kids, one kid, one kid enrolled in class, one kid opened their portal in the last 30 days. I said, okay, trust but verify. It's done. We're going to kill it. We're going to take it outside and we're going to shoot it because we need that money back next year, <laughs> right? It's, it's, just, it's just about asking a question and verifying for the right information. And you don't, have to know what the, you don't have to know what the information is. You just ask the leader, what can you provide me? What can you provide this uh, board to verify that we're moving in the right direction? You put it back on them. Tell them what, what could you bring. Now, the hard part clearly is, is it accurate or not? We hope that everybody acts in... Um, you know, on integrity, but that's when you can bring in other school leaders too and say, hey, why don't you bring your leadership team next month too? Let's, let's talk through this. <laughs> let's talk through this because they'll know if it's accurate, right? Now, section three is goals and updates specific to your school, academic achievement, right? So here we've got, um, you know, we've got some uh, benchmark testing scores. Uh, we've got some previous EOG scores. So you can constantly take you know, take a look there, school culture part, and it talks about family engagement, staff experiences, and student experiences, right? So these might be surveys, service projects, major class trips, upcoming professional development. I mean, whatever it is, the leader can, can, can add in this, this qualitative information with the quantitative data that they're uh, providing. There's another section here about attracting, retaining, and growing excellent teachers. Right? So what is, what is your teacher attrition goal? Do you want to lose more than 10% of your teachers every year? Now, I always call it it's a difference between regrettable loss and non-regrettable non loss. And I typically give a leader about two years of, um, non, of, of uh, non-regrettable loss, right? Because it takes, it takes a couple of years to kind of clean house. But you go after year three and they're still talking about, well, it just wasn't a right fit. Well, you hired those people. So let's go back to your hiring process. If you're constantly having to let go of people that aren't a good fit, something needs to change. And it needs to be on the front end, not on the back end anymore. Okay. So again, it's just about kind of thinking through, asking the leader what they could provide. 
Um, we've got some compliance reporting on here, right? So was there any letters from DPI? Was there any exceptional children's info? You know, there's a couple times a year where the exceptional children's department has to report really important information, December 1st and April 1st, those two headcounts. Critical, critical information. Maybe, maybe the state did an audit and, and you need to know. In, until you specifically communicate to that head of school, any communication that comes from the state in terms of a compliance check or an audit, we need to know about it. We need to know, and we need to know what the results are, because what's going to happen if I get a letter saying that I'm out of compliance in some way, I'm going to ensure that that leader does it, right? 30 days. Okay, you got 30 days to fix it. How will we know it's fixed? And if you need to, when I worked in the Office of Charter Schools, board members would call me occasionally. Hey, was it checked? Has our school leader been responsive? You know, you could do that. We've got a human resource section on here, right? So human resource update, which says new hire profiles for approval. And, and so you'll see the four areas that I have is their name, what's the position, what's their current licensure, and what's the budgetary impact? Because that's what, I, that's what I really cared about. So if you're gonna pay this uh, person $3,000 more than you paid the last person, uh, where's the $3,000 gonna come from, right? But we don't ask those questions sometimes. We just assume that the leader has figured it out. The next thing you know, you got a budget issue at the end. Something that should be on here, it, it, I think it is on here about what's the current percentage of licensed teachers? Because you know by law you have to have 50%. So if this is just on the monthly report, it's easy to know. And the point is that this is coming to you seven days in advance. There's no reason for anybody to read this. Read it to you, I mean. You, you've already read it. And you've already got your questions ready to go. And the last section, or what are some important dates you know, coming up? Teacher work day, you need the board to be somewhere for something. So five easy sections. Enrollment, right, which includes daily attendance. You know, how many kids are, are um, absent on average per day? And then you could ask questions about that. How is it impacting their academics? What can we do? Do we need a better bus route or bus schedule, right? What's, you know, student discipline, you know? What you know, months are the bad months, and how do we know? What are we doing differently? School updates about academics, culture, teacher development, compliance, HR, and important dates coming up. It's five sections. Super easy. Super easy. And when it comes to finances, we've got four essential financial reports, which could come quarterly. You don't need a deep dive every single month, but you want to make sure someone's doing it. But you got a balance sheet, cash flow statements, income and expense reports. And the budget versus the actual. Now I remember when, <laughs> when I was with the school. I, it, it's it's I learned so much in that one year of being that executive director that 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 organization. Every single month, the head of school would present a budget to the board, and it would be crisp and clean. It was showing all this money was around. And it wasn't an issue. Well, when you walked around the school, the school was bare. There was no resources. There was nothing going on. And it wasn't until I came across an envelope, a folder envelope that said unpaid invoices, that I opened it up and found that the school hadn't paid about 80-some thousand dollars in last year's invoices. So all the money that was coming in was paying last year's bills. And that's why the budget looked so good, because no money was actually being spent. <laughs> right? So, so you, you want to know that. You want to specifically ask a question are there any unpaid invoices right now? 
that became a common question of mine. What's our cash flow look like over the next 30 to 60 days? Now, if you're in year four, five, six, you probably don't have to worry about that anymore. But cash flow is a huge piece of those first uh, uh, three to four years. Every damn summer, you're like, you're just trying to figure it out. And you don't want to borrow money to be able to pay your bills and uh, to uh, pay your teacher's salary those first couple of months. So don't stick your head in the sand, be prepared, ask questions, and flag unacceptable results. And who cares if you look like the bad guy? You know, I mean, eventually the head of school is either going to learn, right, or, and, and, and give you the information that you need, or they're going to be found out. Because I can guarantee you, if they're not bringing it to you, there's something, there's something fishy. So looking at this chart, your next steps. Make sure you got your, your clear mission and vision. Identify your priorities, communicate reality, okay? Where are you right now? Adopt your goals, develop your plan to get there, identify acceptable evidences, right? It's a shared, it's a shared responsibility. Set a reporting schedule based upon your outcomes-based calendar that we've talked through. Analyze those formative results, and that should be done by committees mostly. Tweak your plans, and communicate wins, okay? It seems like a lot of work, but it's really not. It's really not because it's, it's what the head of school should be doing, should be doing from the get-go. So I know it went super fast. That's probably a two-hour training. We actually need to do that probably in person one time. We'll have to figure that out. Get a bunch of people regionally in person and really, really think through that process with the principals in the room maybe. And just really start thinking through how do we, you know, how do we drive through this? I'm going to write that down as a, as an idea maybe for this. Really, really I think that's a great. This is Liz. I think that's a great idea because yeah. I feel like you know, we're we're always in asking questions and not because we're trying to be difficult. We're just mm -hmm. trying to understand the processes and the and making sure that the reports contain things that are evidence-based and and not that they're not being truthful but you know sometimes I feel like we don't have all the all the questions and then I find out from a parent something and you know that puts us in a awkward position so I think having this having the board and principals in that type in this uh, lecture would be good yeah yeah, definitely. And then having that conversation Liz, about, you know, what things do you want to be reported on? Because those, those, those were some of the challenges we had, you know, if a parent was upset, um, you know, did we want to know about it? What was the level that we kind of put it on a scale of one to 10? So, yeah. right. so we got a couple minutes left here. So it's, it's time for you all to chart your course. What's one thing that you need to start doing as a board? What's one thing you got to continue and strengthen? as a board and what's something you need to just overall stop doing. So I'll you know, give you some think time, but you know, go ahead and hop in here, unmute yourself and tell me what's something to either start, continue, continue and uh, strengthen or uh, stop doing. Well, what we've been working on is we're stopping doing administrative tasks. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're continuing to try to develop the board in this functionality and we're starting to really 
forecast and have strategic plans for the next one to five years. We've been really weak in that. That's what we're doing. That'd be great. Yeah, that's awesome, Michael. And I know the person working with you, and she better do a tremendous job. <laughs> if she doesn't, I'm going to throw her under the bus and feed her yeah, to the line. Good, do it. Yeah, do it. I'll, I'll uh, let her know, too. So I'm talking about Katie right now. She's my teammate, everybody, in this. Uh, but she's but she's been working hard to to get Michael's school rolling in the right direction. And they're getting there. It's one step at a time. It's one step at a time. Anybody else on the call want to – something they want to at least start doing or continue and strengthen and maybe add to their stop doing list? And the stop doing list might be the most important list of your life. I think stop – like was said before, stop being – um, so much into the everyday administrative. Mm -hmm. We had one board member who's a professor at one of the local universities, and he sometimes fields um, parents' meetings at his lab on yeah. campus. Yeah. And I mean, that's great, but when it comes to that point, that level of involvement, it's just, it's really hard because um, we're governance and we're overseeing. Right, that's right. Yeah, it's completely inappropriate. We don't want to micromanage. Yeah. Right, right. So um, to pull back and make sure that um, yeah. we are more governance, not day-to-day -day operations. It we goes, have to stop doing that. Yeah. Yep, yeah, and it goes back to that second question from Lencioni. How, how, how will we behave, right? So the board, you know, the board is the leader of the organization and, and, and really ensuring that those core values align. I watched Tammy Finch from the expedition school run her board through a core value exercise I thought was great. Uh, she just took the core values of the school and they looked at them from a board's perspective. What do they look like? What do they sound like? What do they feel like? So then the board was able to take the core values and then they talked about if someone on this board breaks those core values, whose responsibility is it to talk to them? And it doesn't have to be an awful conversation. It just has to be, hey, here's what we agreed to, but here's what I saw. So help me understand why you're you know, why you're doing that. And, and as they talk, you know, you, you listen and then you just, well, are you aware that when you do that, this is, this is the result, right? This is the unintended consequence. So listen, if you found this teaching of great value to you, one, share it with the rest of your board members, you know, share the link or just share what you learned, discuss at your next meeting. Um, I'm going to resource you as much as I can over the next 24 hours if you need it. So just let me know. Um, you can invite us to your next board meeting and, and we'll uh, give you feedback. It's, you know, definitely worth it to, to have, you know, someone come and watch because when you're in the picture, right, when you're in the frame, it's hard to see the picture. So, so we come, we do board observations and we give feedback to, uh, you know, for, for, you know, you to work on or some areas that we could support you. Uh, or uh, we, we do uh, board retreats and board trainings specifically for, um, you know, individual organizations, or you could combine them, grab a couple schools and, and let's all meet, in one place together and you know, save, save uh, money and, 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 and have a just big old combined retreat. So if you're interested in any of those, uh, go ahead and email me at Tom at lbleaders.com or reach out to me uh, uh, by phone. Uh, so, so glad, uh, you know, I believe in you and I believe in your dream. And like I said, I'm a board member, I'm a board chair. This is year four for me. And it's a really tough job. So I thank you for what you do. Keep, keep on working the, the good work and investing in yourself and, um, and, and, and keep uh, moving in the right direction. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. Thank you, Tom. Thank you.